Well, the word of the Lord this weekend is step by step. How many of you guys remember that old song? Step by step, you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. God wants to direct your steps. He wants to order your steps. He wants to help you. He wants to give you wisdom on decisions that you got to make, steps you got to take. And this is a season where so many people are um, asking, what is that next step for me? And I just feel like God wants to speak to us and that God wants to speak to every person in this room. He wants to give you wisdom, direction. He wants to save you from taking the wrong steps, marrying the wrong person, making the wrong decision, getting into something that later you would regret. God wants to give us wisdom. He wants to order our steps so that we can bring him glory. And if you have a Bible, I want us to go to Exodus 33, verse seven. Yeah, we get loud about the word. And Moses was a man that was seeking God for his step-by-step process. He was asking God to give him wisdom, direction. And Mo was on this journey. Come on, Mo. Mo, Mo. Mo was, Mo was on this journey to figure out what was God's will and plan for his life. And I love how Mo just like leans in and, and asks God for direction along the way. So we, let's go to verse seven. In Exodus 33, verse seven, it says, now Moses used to take a tent and he would pitch it outside the camp some distance away, and he called it the tent of meeting. Growing up, I, I went to Royal Rangers here at Victory, which is like, I don't know, it's like the church Boy Scouts, and we would go on a camping trip like once a year, and for some reason, we always picked the worst times to go camping, and my dad would come many of those times, and it would be like freezing cold outside, or it would just be so sticky and hot and, and like a little bit of rain and humidity. And, and, and yet when we were inside the tent, we felt safe. Inside the tent, we felt protected. I remember, you know, there'd be coyotes howling through the night and we thought maybe there was wolves, bears outside. And my dad would say, we're safe inside the tent. We're safe inside the tent. I think about how Moses, when he would go in this tent, not only was he finding safety, he was finding security from God's presence. He was finding peace. He was getting direction for his future. Every single one of us should have our own type of tent, a spot where we go and seek God, a place where we set aside and we say, I am going to spend time in God's presence, hearing God's voice. For some of you, it's a chair in the living room. It's a rocking chair on the back porch. It's a bench you like to sit on at a park. Uh, it's your car ride to work. It's the bathroom. It's a spot where you like to go and you hear from God. How many guys have your own spot where you like to just read your Bible, pray, get alone, talk to God? That's, that's what Moses was doing. So, so Moses, it says anyone who was inquiring from the Lord, anyone who was asking God questions would go to the tent. They would go to talk to God outside the camp, outside the traffic. We need a place that's separate from the noise. And now we, we have four babies and a fifth baby on the way. And I call them babies. We have a seven-year-old, but he's still a baby. We, we have a seven, five, three-year-old, a one-year-old, and the newborn will be here in July. But we gotta find peace in the midst of all the chaos. Outside the camp, Moses would go to talk to God, whatever that looks like for you. After they go to sleep, taking time to just ask God, God, what's your will? What's the next step? What am I supposed to do? Should I have this conversation? Should I not? Should I take this job offer or should I not? Should I move? Should I stay? Should I, should I do this? Should I do that? So here Moses is, he's asking God. 
And whenever Moses would go to the tent, all the people in Israel, they would stand at the entrances to their tents and they would watch Moses until he entered into the tent. And Moses went into the tent and a pillar of cloud would come over the tent as, as he stayed at the entrance while the Lord would speak to Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and they worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. This was the Old Testament. This is how it worked. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Did you know God wants to talk to you like a friend? God doesn't want us to have this religious speech that we put on when we go to talk to him. He wants us to talk to him like we would our own friends. You don't have to come to God and talk in New King James Version or pretend to be someone that you're not. You could come straight to God and say, God, I've been tired lately. I just need a break. I just need you to talk to me about some things, some friends, some people, some stuff. And God says, that's what I love. I love honesty. I love vulnerability. And so Moses was talking to God as a friend. And then Moses would go back to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. Now, this is not the message, but I want to just say something about that. Joshua would later go on to conquer Jericho, to conquer all these, you know, things that, that would later become the promised land. He would have an, an entire book written by him about what Israel did called the book of Joshua. And yet in this moment, Joshua is serving his leader. He's seeking God and he's staying in God's presence. Little did Joshua know that for the next 40 years, these would be the secret ingredients for his next step in life. Serving time is never wasted time. When you're waiting for your vision to come to pass, serve another man's vision. Get underneath a leader that you can serve. Joshua served under Moses. Seeking time is never wasted time. Seeking God. So Joshua would seek God and he would stay in his presence. These are not my points. I'm just giving you a couple chicken nuggets before the main course. We're at Chick-fil-A. I got a sandwich for you coming later. I got fries. I got shakes for everybody. We're at a Mexican restaurant. This is the chips and salsa before the meal. It's free for everybody in the room. Joshua, he would seek God. He would serve in that season of waiting. While you're waiting for your next step, seek God. Serve. Stay where God has you. So Joshua would stay in his presence. In verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me to lead these people. Listen how, listen how Mo is talking to his friend. He's like, God, You've been telling me I'm the leader and that I'm supposed to lead these people, but you've not let me know who you're going to send with me. So Moses is second guessing himself. He's insecure. He's not sure he's the right guy. He's not sure he's enough. And I love that God uses leaders with flaws and insecurities. Like the people that God used in the Bible, they weren't so sure of themselves all the time. Gideon, right? Moses here. Joshua had to be told over and over and over, I'm with you. Take courage. Take courage. And, and if you've ever second-guessed yourself about a decision or about whether you're the right person, God says, I'm looking for brokenness and vulnerability. And he's attracted to weakness more than he's attracted to uh, do-it-yourself, self-made confidence and strength. He's more attracted to the insecurity of you saying, God, I need help. I need you to show up. I, if you don't show up, I'm toast. I don't have the right speaking skills. I don't have the right abilities. But if you show up, I know you can distinguish me from the other nations. So here Moses is saying, God, what are you going to do? I know you said that you know my name and that I found favor with you. But watch what he says next. He says, if you're pleased with me, God, teach me your ways. Teach me. I want to know your nature. I want to know your ways so I can follow your ways, so I can continue to find favor with you. And I love what he says next. He says, remember, God, 
This is still your nation. This nation is still your people. And I'm saying that over America right now. This is still God's nation. This is still his people. Doesn't matter who's in office. God's always on the throne. Moses says, Lord, we need you. We need your voice. We need your direction. We need to know what the next step is. And the Lord replied to Moses, my presence will go with you. That right there is the greatest promise. Lord, your presence is what I'm looking for. God says, seek my face more than you seek my hand. And if you seek my face, you'll have my hand. You'll have the blessings. But if you'll seek the presence of God instead of just the, the benefits of God, seek the presence of God and the benefits will follow. His goodness and his mercy will follow you. So here Moses is reaching out. He's seeking God. And God says, I'm going with you. I'm going with you, and I'm going to give you rest. And watch the next verse. Moses says to him, if your presence doesn't come, I don't want to take another step. I don't want to preach another sermon unless you're in it. I don't want to lead a thing that you didn't give me to lead. Just because people are pressuring me, just because people are prophesying over me, just because everybody else is telling me to do it, I won't take a step unless I know your presence is there. Just because people say I should put my kids in this school, or I should marry that person, or we should take that job, or move to that state, I don't want to be led by the pressure and the opinions of people. I want to be led by the Prince of Peace. So God, if your presence isn't there, I don't care how big the salary is, I don't care how great the benefits are, I don't care how much Instagram follows I'm gonna get if I do it I'm not taking another step unless you go with me it's time that the church fall more in love with the presence of God than the, the pleasures of people and the opinions of people Moses was saying I don't care how many followers I get I'm not going unless you go I don't care how big the church is I'm not taking it unless you show up that's the kind of fear of God that he's that God's looking for in us and then Moses says how will anyone know that you are pleased with me, God, and with your people unless you go with us? Your presence is the distinguishing factor. It's the purple cow. It's what makes us stand out from everybody else. It, it's, it's like, what I love about Victory Church, we are not a church built on great technology or a nice room or, 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 or we are a church that is built on the presence of God. And that's all, I'm, like, I just want the anointing of God in our church. I, I want the presence of God more than anything else. I don't want hype. I don't want to hype this place up. I don't want this built on a personality. I don't want it built on people's gifts and charisma and talent. I want it built on the presence of God. God, if your presence isn't here, if it's not there, we don't want to take another step. I don't want good ideas. I want God ideas. I don't want man's strategies. I want God's strategies. So Mo, Mo says, God, if you're pleased with me, go with me. Go with me. And may I find favor in your presence. And God, show me your glory. God, break my heart for what your heart breaks for Show me who I'm supposed to talk to. Show, show me what job to take. Show me where I'm supposed to go. I don't want to move to a state just because it's nice and sunny and there's an ocean there. I want to be in the will of God because in the will of God is the best place to be. Even if it's surrounded by the most dangerous environment or the most boring environment by according to everyone else's opinions, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I want to be in the center of your will. 
If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Step by step, lead the people in this room that are about to make decisions that they have not soaked in prayer. Arrest the hearts of men and women today with your word, with your presence. Speak. We are listening, God. Direct our steps. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So let's talk about being led by the Lord. The more you seek God, the more you will know God. And the more you know God, the more clearly you can hear God. I remember when I was in um, youth group and our pastor did like a 72-hour prayer session and he called teenagers to come and commit at least two hours of their weekend to pray. And it started on a Thursday and it was going to end on a Sunday night. So we were going 72 hours of just nonstop prayer in the youth group. And so, you know, me and my friends, he said, you could sign up for two hours, four hours, six hours. All I ask is that you sign up and you come and pray. And so, you know, me and a couple of my buddies, we said, all right, we're going to sign up for a six-hour session from midnight till 6 a.m. And I was so pumped for this. I packed, like, snacks in my backpack. I had Starburst, Skittles, Ritz Bitch cheese crackers, Mountain Dews for everybody. You know, the bros, they were going to meet up there. I even brought a couple board games. I brought Monopoly. I brought some cards. Y'all, this is how shallow my spirituality was in that moment. And when I got there, a couple of the guys, they were like, what are you doing with the board games? I was like, just... You know, like we can pray and play. We'll pray and like, it'll all be, you know, and they're like, <laughs> anyways, our youth pastor came in. He was like, get the board games out of here. We are just praying. And so we prayed. We sought God. And this is what God's calling us to do is to seek him. The more that I seek God, the more that I spend time seeking God's presence, the more I'm going to know God's ways. The more I know God's ways, the more clearly I can hear God's voice. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. I saw someone post this video that I thought was really funny of this sheep that got caught like in a crack. I think we have a video of it. I want you to watch this. And the shepherd is trying to pull the sheep out of the, the, the ditch that it's fallen into. And this is like me. Like I'm that sheep. Sometimes I just make stupid decisions. And as soon as the sheep gets out, it's like, thanks, God. And then he just goes right back <laughs> How many of you guys can relate to that? You're like, <laughs> God pulls you out of a mess because you didn't ask him the first time you made that decision. And then you're like, thanks God, and then back into another mess. John Maxwell, he's like a mentor in my life. And he was like, Paul, you're one step away from stupid. <laughs> I was like, thanks. He's like, but I am too. He's like, we all are. He's like, how many times have we just done dumb decisions? Anyone in the room just want to be honest? Have you ever made a, a decision that just, you look back and you go, I wish I didn't say that, wish I didn't do that? All right, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, we're going to have an altar call at the end. Your spouse is already telling you, you better be down at that altar call. Because we've all made these decisions, right? We've all made some steps that we're like, oh, why did I do that? But then there's those ones where you make a step and you know you did what God asked you to do. And this pastor was talking to me a couple weeks ago and he said, how did you guys navigate the pandemic so well. And I said, I don't know if we navigated so well. And he goes, no, I promise you, everyone I've talked to is talking about how Victory navigated 2020 and 2021. And I was like, well, praise God, because it was God. And he said, yeah, but, but who was giving you, like, who was telling you what to do? And I was like, the Holy Spirit. I seriously have been following the Holy Spirit. 
There's this internal voice. Isaiah 30 says, you will hear a voice behind you that says, go this way, turn to the left, turn to the right. Your ears will hear a voice behind you. This is the way, walk in it. And I told the pastor, I said, I felt like the Lord was saying, call the mayor. And he's like, did you know the mayor? I was like, not that well. <laughs> not well enough to call him in that moment. And he said, what'd you say? I didn't know what to say, but the Lord gave me the words to say. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, when you stand before councils and leaders and mayors and governors and you don't know what to say, I'll tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say that you weren't even prepared to say. And he said, how did you connect with the governor? I said, I don't know. Someone gave the governor my number. And then he called and said, I've got your back. And I'm behind what your church is doing. And he said, how did you guys get the food to give away food to all those people? And I said, we just kept giving. And we kept trusting that God was going to supply food for us to keep supplying food for others. And we just kept listening to the Holy Spirit. When it was time to get on the roof, we got on the roof. When it was time to come back in the room. And he said, was it like other churches telling you? I was like, no. When I started looking at other churches and I started wondering, should we do what that church is doing? Should we do what that church is doing? I heard the Lord say, stop letting other churches determine what your church is called to do. Stop letting other pastors determine what I've called you to do. I have assignments for them and I have assignments for you. And since when did they determine what the calling for Victory Church is supposed to be and supposed to do? It's fine to get advice, but don't seek other people to determine what God's direction is for your life. So the Lord was speaking to me. He was directing my steps. Everybody say step by step. There was a documentary that came out um, about a famous artist and singer and dancer. And, and in his time, he was the most famous singer, artist, and dancer. And, and there was this one music video that, that they were shooting. And the director was talking about it years later after this, this artist had passed away. He said, I remember when he was dancing all over the stage during the music video. And he was missing all the spots he was supposed to be dancing. Now, he was dancing great. And I pulled him to the side and I said, listen, you can dance all over the stage. You're the greatest artist right now, dancer of your time. But I have pre-lit steps for you. And, and you are going to waste time dancing in the dark where no one can see it if you'll follow the pre-lit steps that I've already set up for you. I've already, as the lighting director, I've already set this up, then it is going to be spectacular. If you do it the way that, if we only sought the director and said, director, what steps have you already pre-lit for me to walk in? Right? Psalm 119 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't want to take a step into dark places just because I have the charisma or talent. I don't want to take a step just because I can do it and I can manipulate my way and I can maneuver and politicize. Like I can do things because I have a network and connection. I only want to step where God has already pre-lit the steps for me. I want to go where God's called me to go. And this is really what the message is about. It's about hearing God's voice and following his voice. In Matthew 11, verse 15, Jesus says, anyone who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. Hearing God is the most important part of the Christian journey, listening to God and following what he says. Revelation 2, verse 29, John writes to the church and he says, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God has words he wants to say to you. He wants to direct your steps. He wants to save you from making bad decisions. He wants to help you about where to invest, what to do, what not to do, what to start, what to stop, what conversations to have, what conversations not to have. And I'm telling you, when we follow his leading and we're in tune with him, our lives end up in a much better place. I remember when I was 10 years old and my mom and dad took me to a camp in Minnesota. 
and um, it's called Strawberry Lake. And they were doing a revival there, and they were going to preach like every night. And there was this lake there where there was a, a floating dock. It kind of looked like this picture um, of these people standing on this dock. And I remember swimming out to this floating dock. I'm 10 years old. My brother John was there. There was, there was this girl there. I had a crush on this girl. John was like, you're not here for her. You're here, you know, for the revival. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I just really like her. And so I was like, I'm going to go and talk to God about it. So I swim out to this dock, and I get on the dock. I'm all by myself. And I literally sat on that dock for hours, and I was, like, looking over my shoulder to see if the girl was looking at me from, from the lake area. And I was like, God, what should I do? And I was, I was a huge fan of Michael W. Smith back in the day, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And so I was having like a concert on this dock by myself. I was singing songs like, do you dream of me? You know, I was like, secret ambition. And, and there was this one song. I was trying to figure out what to do for fifth grade. Like I was like, God, what's your will for fifth grade? And I was trying to find my place in this world. How many of you guys remember that song, my place in this world? Oh, y'all aren't ready for that song. DJ, hit the track. This is what was going on. While I was on that dock, I was singing this song. Among the many, can you still hear me? Hear me asking, where do I belong? Is there a vision that I can call my own? Show me. I was out there on the lake, like having music video moments. And I was like, God, what is my place in this world? Like, am I supposed to go into fifth grade? Am I supposed to get married? Should I drop out of school? Do I start a band? Do I try to pursue Michael W. Smith and like get like a record deal? And my brother was like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> He's like, I'm embarrassed that I'm related to you. I was on that dock for two hours, got a really bad sunburn and, um, had a music video moment out there. But the point of that that I share with you is that God wants to speak to all of us. In Acts chapter two, he says, I wanna to speak to young men and old men. There is no junior varsity Holy Spirit. The same God that speaks to grandpas wants to speak to 10 year olds. The same God that speaks to grown ups speaks to teenagers. And he wants to give us wisdom and counsel on direction for our lives. So real quickly, I wanna give you just a couple ways to know if it's God talking to you. Just a couple ways to understand, is what I'm hearing or feeling or sensing from God, or is it the ice cream I ate last night? Is it the Michael W. Smith video? Is it, is it just my friend's opinions, or is this God talking to me? Number one, does God's word already speak to this decision? Does God's word already speak to this step? Because God will never contradict what he's already said in scripture. God will never contradict his own word. He is not a moody God. He's not a bipolar God. God will say what, what, he, what he says in scripture is what he wills for our life. You want to know his will? Study his word. You want to know what way, what way he wants you to go? Study what his word has to say. And you can look up on Google like topics, whether it's like marriage decisions, parenting decisions, family decisions, single, single season decisions, whatever it is, you could go on Google and just say, I, I need to find scriptures on this specific topic, and I love that, that we can find that, and we can get a list of scriptures and then begin to study it. Number two, has God given me any clues or hints on this? Like, God will whisper things in your heart. He'll give you dreams. He'll give you little clues. He'll begin to connect the dots. 
He'll give you little coincidences that he begins to speak on specific things. And I remember just, here's an example. Um, when I was in college, uh, there was some decisions that I was praying about, some steps I was praying about. And I, I honestly didn't know what to do. I was confused. I looked in scripture. I couldn't find an answer on it. It was one of those decisions that's not spelled out in scripture. But I started to pray and ask God, God, would you give me clues? Would you just give me some crumbs to follow, to show me if I'm in the right direction? And little coincidences begin to happen. Little things begin to just occur over and over and over. They just literally started lighting up the path of what I was supposed to do. God will do that for you. Number three, have I sought counsel from spiritual authority in my life? Have I invited spiritual authority? And what is spiritual authority? It's people in your life that you trust hear from God. When God places you in a church, he gives you spiritual authority through your pastor. He gives you spiritual authority through your connect group leader. He gives you spiritual authority through other believers that are in that church that can speak into your life. Are you inviting any of those people to come and talk to you about that step you're about to take? Have you invited a team pastor to come and pray with you or just give you some wisdom, advice on that decision? So often we want to operate solo, right? We want to do it our way, do it yourself. But I'm telling you, there is power in covering. I, I was um, jumping off this cliff like a year ago. I was, I was jumping off this cliff into the lake, and I was in a place I'd never been. I love cliff jumping. I always make sure I check the depth of the water before I jump in. But I like to find like a good 15, 20-foot rock cliff jump into a river, lake, ocean, wherever there's water. And, um, and I was in a spot I had never been before. So I was asking these locals who lived there. I was like, hey, where should I jump? They said, you should jump right here. Don't jump over there. I was like, what's over there? And they said, you'll get hurt. Trust us, we've done this before. You've never done this. I said, okay. It's always good to ask people who've done something you haven't done. It boggles my mind when people are asking for advice from people who've never done that before. Like, I remember when I was in college and I was asking my buddies, I was like, talk to me about marriage. I need some marriage advice. They're like, oh, we got so much marriage advice because we've never been married before, but we know everything there is to know about marriage. <laughs> you know, hey, give me some parenting advice. You have a two-year-old. Talk to me about parenting. Oh, yeah, we've raised so many kids. We have one two-year-old that we've just raised up in the ways of God, and they're following after God. They've never rebelled in their life. Like, I want to talk to parents who have kids that have graduated. I want to talk to people who've done the cliff jump before. I want to talk to people who understand the path that I'm about to take because they can speak into the decision with a whole lot more authority than people who've never jumped that before, who've never landed in that water before, who've never experienced the, the journey of pastoring. But whatever the decision is, invite people on that. So these locals, they started telling me, they said, when you jump, make sure that you close your legs and your arms because if you don't, it's going to hurt when you jump in that water. I was like, okay. And they said, also, make sure you have a covering over your feet. I said, why is that? And they said, um, trust us. You'll want a covering over your feet. I said, is it deep enough? Am I going to touch the bottom? They said, no. It's the journey back up. I was like, oh, I'm fine. Like, my feet have been through a lot. My feet were born for the tough stuff. My feet were ready for cliff jumping. So I jumped that cliff, landed in the water. I was like, it didn't hurt my feet. Felt great. You know, and I'm swimming in the water and everything's fine until I have to get out of the water. And I realize the way out is sharp, rocky edge cliffside that you literally cannot like you are going to cut your feet no matter how hard or tough or calloused your feet are. And sure enough, they were right. I had unnecessary pain because I refused to have a covering 
the Holy Spirit's talking right now. I had unnecessary wounds. You can go without a covering on, on the first jump. I, it didn't hurt me when I jumped in the water. What hurt was the journey. You, can, you could do something in your own way without any spiritual covering, and you can get away with it for a couple months. You can. You can get by without any accountability, without anyone in your life. It's in the Bible. But after a while, it starts to create unnecessary pain, and you start making decisions you regret, and you start hurting yourself and hurting others along the way. So before you take that next step, have you considered asking your spiritual authority? And you might say, I don't need a spiritual authority. I am the spiritual authority, me and God. Okay. The only problem with that is God gave us a book called Proverbs. It's in the middle of the Bible. Proverbs has multiple scriptures that says, in the counsel of good advisors, there is sure to be victory. Without counsel, there is sure to be mistakes made. We need, listen, we have blind spots. We need people we can invite in our life and say, Paul, you don't see this, but I see it. And I want to help you. So number three, have I invited the spiritual authority into my life? Number four, is it consistent with how God shaped me? I want the band to come up. Is this consistent with how God has shaped me? God has made you a certain way. And I'm going to spell out shape like this. S stands for spiritual gift. H stands for heart, A stands for abilities, P stands for personality, E stands for experiences. Is this consistent with how God has created me, the abilities he's put in me? I love the drums. I love the drums. But if I was to get on the drums during worship, I would mess up the whole set because I am not shaped to play the drums. I am not gifted with those abilities. I am not gifted. And listen, there, I, I love football. But if you made me the football coach of Victory's football team, we would lose all our games and the players would quit. <laughs> I am not shaped to be a football coach. I'm shaped to be the pastor of Victory. I, I know I'm shaped here. But let me say this. I'm shaped to be the pastor only at Victory. Unless God was to ever call me somewhere, if I got a call from another church in another city and say, hey, we need you to come pastor, I'm not shaped for that. This is home. I am shaped for here, for these people. Don't think you can uproot yourself and go anywhere with your gifts. God shapes you for seasons, for people, for spheres of influence, and he connects you to a body. And so often we think we can just do anything, anywhere, and succeed anywhere with anyone, doing anything we want because we are self-made people. And God says, all right, go. I'm a gentleman. I won't stop you. But five years down the road, when your feet have wounds on them, you'll realize that you stepped out without a covering. Number five, does it concern my responsibility? Does it concern my responsibility? John 21, verse 20, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and, um, and he's on the beach. They're having breakfast together, and, and it's a funny moment. And so this is the book of John, written by John the disciple. And he says in verse 20, Peter turned... And he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now, John is actually talking about himself right here. <laughs> so John is like, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, <clears throat> a.k.a. me. Like John's like, Jesus loved me, he didn't love Peter. <laughs> following them. Yeah, I, love, I love that in scripture. I just laugh when I read that. When Peter saw John, he said, God, what about him? 
What about him? How come he's getting to do that? How come he gets those opportunities? How come he gets to travel? How come he gets to have those blessings? How come he got that car? How come they got married first? How come they get to have kids and we don't? How come they get this and that? How come his salary is bigger than mine? How come this? How come that? How come this? How come that? How come they got these opportunities and we didn't? And Jesus looks at Peter and he says this, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What is his life? Love him, but stop comparing yourself to your brother. Comparison is a killer towards your purpose. And if you're paying attention to your sister all the time or your brother all the time, you're going to miss out on your journey. And if I'm wishing I'm someplace else doing something else with someone else, I'm missing out on the people God has called me to reach right here. FOMO is a killer towards, I have no rhyme for it, towards the joy of being here. I was going to say Jomo, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Don't let the fear of missing out or the fear of what other people are getting to do that you're not getting to do rob you of the joy of where God has you, what God's doing in you, what God's blessed you with. God has gifted you right where he has you. So, so does it concern my responsibility? Just say this with me. What is it to you? That's what Jesus said. What is it to you? What is their life to you? I remember watching the Olympics when Michael Phelps was swimming. Man, he was fun to watch. And he was swimming. He was beating everyone. And they shot to this one swimmer who was just swimming and just staring at Michael Phelps the whole time. And he lost because <laughs> he wasn't looking at his lane. He was watching Michael. You got you to gotta pay attention to the step God has you. Number six, is it convicting or condemning? How do I know if this step is ordered by God? Is it coming from a place of condemnation or conviction? Because conviction is from the Holy Spirit, but condemnation is from Satan. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He will condemn you. He will make you feel like you're a failure. He will tell you that you missed it, that you should live in regret. But the Lord will come in with a nice conviction, and he'll say, hey, you walked down the wrong path, but it's going to be okay. We're going to get you back on the right path. I want you to sign up for this class. I want you to repent for that. We're gonna restore you, and I'm not gonna publicly embarrass you for it. I'm gonna help you through this. Like when my dad would correct me, he wouldn't walk me out in front of the whole family and say, we got a failure over here. Everybody pay attention to the loser of a son that I got. No, he didn't do that. If you grew up with an, a verbally abusive father, that is not your father in heaven. He is a good father, and he does not embarrass his kids with humiliating, mean, harsh, words. He is not the accuser of the brethren. He is the comforter, the counselor, the shepherd that says, you got in that mess again. I'm going to pull you out. Oh, you jumped back in that cavern. I'm going to pull you out again. You jumped in again. You said something dumb again. I'm going to help you out. You're not a failure. We're going to restore you. We're going to help you get back on the right path. Number seven, have I soaked this in prayer? Is the step I'm about to take, has it been soaked in prayer? Have you and some of us go, yeah, I prayed about it last night. <laughs> That's not soaking it in prayer. Yeah, I blessed it during the meal. I said, Lord, take care of the food. Also, would you bless this next step I'm about to take that's going to affect my whole family? Have you, have you fasted? Have you prayed? Have you just, like, soaked it and said, Lord, I don't want to be hasty on this. <sighs> I want to soak this in prayer for a while. Number eight, have I laid it at the altar? All right, now we're talking about Abraham and Isaac. Because God gave Abraham a promise and then said, hey, that promise I gave you, the future, 
your 401k, the thing that you're counting on, the thing that's going to affect your, your family and your family's family and, and your grandkids, I want you to put it on the altar. Whoa, 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 why would you give me a dream if you want me to surrender it? Why would you give me all these prophetic words from people that I'm gonna do this one day, that I'm gonna marry them, that we're gonna have kids, that I'm gonna own this company? Why would you give me all of these prophetic words about this step, and now you want me to put the step on the altar? And God says, that's right. Because unless it's been tested on the altar, you're gonna mess it up. You need to bring that straight back to the altar. And if you've watched a step that's walked past you, and you go, I was supposed to have that. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be with them. God, why did, I, I, I thought you were guiding me on that step. We need to trust that the same God who opens doors also closes doors for our own good. And he says, yes, but no. You will do some things, but there are some things that I have decided you need to release. And there are some things and some people that you need to, there's new steps I have for you. Have I laid it at the altar? Number nine, have I carried the word in private for a while? And if you have to go, I understand, but I'm gonna go just a little bit longer. Can I take five more minutes with you? I feel like these last two things that I have to say are so important. Okay, so when I was 16, someone came up to me and they said, you're gonna be the pastor of this church one day. I said, no, I'm not. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Go back where you came from. And they said, nope, you are. Nana, nana, boo, boo. It's going to happen. And I was like, stop it. And I didn't say it to anyone because I was like, I'm, I'm going to serve my dad and mom. I'm going to have a band. I'm going to one day open up for Michael W. Smith concerts. And my dad's going to pastor this church until the rapture happens. And then we're going on the rapture. And then when I was 18 years old, another person came up to me and they said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. I said, no, I'm not. They said, yes, you are. I said, the youth pastor, maybe, in like 15, 20 years after I've opened up concerts for Michael W. Smith. And they're like, no, no, you will. And I said, stop it. My dad will be. For the rest of my life, he's going to pastor this church, and then we're going on the rapture. He said, I'm just being obedient. Be careful how much you let prophetic words shape your future. Prophetic words need to be tested. And they need to bear witness with you and with some spiritual authority. So here I am, and I'm, I'm listening to these, and it just kept coming, kept coming. And I just didn't even, I didn't even let it sit in me until the night my dad passed away. And in the hospital room, I felt a whisper from God say, serve your mom, honor your mom, serve the church, and get ready because you're going to pastor. And that was in 2009, November 22nd. And I told my wife, I said, Ash, I feel like God just said this. She said, you remember what happened to Joseph? Let's not share that dream with anybody because we don't want to get sold as a slave to Egypt. <laughs> I was like, okay. She's like, let's just keep that one private. It's, it's important not to cast your pearls. It's important not to share the treasures. Mary pondered it in her heart. Simeon and Anna prophesied over Jesus as a baby, but Mary didn't tell anybody. She just pondered it. She just treasured it in her heart. You got to carry a word in your heart in private for a little while. And a year went by, 
My mom was pastor in the church, an amazing woman of God, amazing pastor. And after a year, she said something to me in the board. They said, there's something you need to know. I said, what is it? They said, you're gonna be a pastor one day at this church. I said, like what, like what, where, how? And they said, this, you're gonna lead this church. I said, that bears witness with what God spoke to me a year ago. And they said, but not yet, it's gonna be a little while. So you just need to carry it for a while. And so for the next five years, I just carried it. I can say that I didn't manipulate I didn't try to maneuver. I didn't try to do things in my way. I trusted God. Some of us in this room, we need to be careful how much we try to manipulate the steps in our life. Because if you, you don't wanna have an Ishmael, you wanna wait for what God has in store. And he has, he has something so good. And here's the last point right here, number 10. Do I have a covering of God's peace about this step? Do I sense God's peace? Philippians 4 verse 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about that conversation that you think you gotta have because anxiety will cause you to act in paranoia. Ooh. Anxiety will cause you to act out of paranoia and assumptions and it'll cause you to take steps that later you regret. It'll cause you to say things that later you regret you said. So do I have a peace or am I being pressured by people? Am I being pressured by fear? Am I being pressured by paranoia? Am I being pressured by the fear of missing out or the comparison of what other people are getting to do? Lord, I want your peace. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't wanna go. If I don't have the covering of your peace, would you stand to your feet all over this room? I wanna pray for you. If you're here right now and you need wisdom, direction, or peace on some steps you're about to take or that you're praying about taking, would you just raise your hand around this room? You say, that's me, I need, I need wisdom, I need direction, I need peace on some steps. The last few services, I have not felt to call anyone down, but as I've been praying, I felt like the Lord said, in the 11 a.m., invite people to come down to the altar. If there are some things that you are just praying about, wisdom, direction, steps, just bring it to the altar. Just come down right now from your seat, from the very back to the front. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, Let's just press in for a moment. We're gonna take the next few minutes. Don't miss out on this. I'm telling you, nothing is more important than getting the wisdom of God on that next step. Nothing, the food can wait, the restaurant can wait. Just take a few minutes to just linger in God's presence. To say, Lord, I'm praying about my next chapter. I'm praying about my next step. I'm praying about this relationship. I'm praying about this, this conversation. I'm praying about this uh, job. I'm praying about this move. I'm praying about this opportunity. I'm praying about the kids. And I'm praying about their education. And I'm praying about some decisions. And, and, and I'm praying about these things that I need to do. And, and stuff with the house. And whatever it is, you just bring it to God. And anyone who's here today that just says, I need to get right with God, come and join us at the altar. Come and join us. And let's just worship. Let's just sing to the Lord. Step by step, you lead me. 
step by step. that our sound man gave me. He said, this is connected to the band. So when it's time to play the next chord, he'll tell you when to play it. As long as you have the ears in, you'll be in sync. I can hear the click track. They're all in sync as a band right now. They're following the leader of the band. As long as I've got my ears connected to what the director is saying, I know what my next step is. And I hear God saying, you need to put your ears back to the heart of God to say, Lord, what is your heart telling me to do? As the director, what are the pre-lit steps you've already set up for me to take? And I will follow you all of my days in step by step. Step by step, you lead me, and I'll follow you all of my days. Step by step, you lead me, and I'll follow you all of my days. Just give it to him. Lay it at the altar. Just say it to him. Does he have the final say? Lord, you have the final say over my life. You have the final say over my decisions. You have the final say over my kids. You have the final say. Just say.
your presence doesn't go. direct our steps. God, I just pray for every person in this room, every person watching online, God, that you would order our steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God, where I have missed it, where I have taken steps outside of your will, God, I pray just like a shepherd would rescue the sheep, Lord, that you would pull me into the right path. I pray for every person in this room that feels like maybe they could have taken the wrong step. God, that today is not a day of condemnation. Today is not a day of, of shame. Today is a day of victory. God, that they're getting back on the right track. They're taking steps that are ordered by you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you even bless that broken road that brings us back to you. God, I pray, Lord, for every prodigal son and daughter who feels like they've wandered too far, that today, God, you are drawing them back to you. God, you are connecting their steps back to you, back to the plan and the purpose you have for their lives. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be the covering over our feet. Oh, the places that the feet will go. Lord, I pray that wherever we go, whatever we do, Lord, that we would go with your presence, that if your presence doesn't lead us, we won't go. Lord, that we would be led by your spirit that we would be led by peace and not by paranoia, that we would be led by your word and not just by the opinions of man, that we would be led by your Holy Spirit. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, my steps are yours. Guide me. Direct me. I surrender every step from this point on. I want your will. I want your way. I want to know your heart. I want to follow your voice. I repent where I've missed it. I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as Lord, Savior of my life. Jesus, I'm all yours. Step by step. You will lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.